Hi there, and welcome once again to the Community Broadband Bits podcast produced by the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. This is Lisa Gonzalez. For our 24th episode, we contacted Dr. Michael Browder, CEO of Bristol, Tennessee Essential Services. Earlier this month, BTES announced that it was among the growing number of municipal broadband networks that now offer one gig service. We offer congrats to BTES on this achievement, but it's actually BTES's customers who come out the winners. Dr. Browder shares the history of the network and talks about some of the amazing ways local schools and businesses are finding new ways to use the technology. Let's go now to the interview and hear more about Bristol, Tennessee Essential Services. This is Chris Mitchell with the Community Broadband Bits podcast, and I'm talking today with uh, Dr. Browder uh, with uh, the Bristol, Tennessee Essential Services. Um, Dr. Browder, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Bristol, uh, Bristol, Tennessee? Well, Bristol, Bristol, Tennessee Essential Services has been a power company since 1945, and we're owned by the city of Bristol, Tennessee. We have an independent board of directors that uh, that manages and operates the the uh, utility. Um, now we're also into um, internet telephone and cable and this all began in in about um, uh, 2002 we decided that we really needed to have a different communication system to operate our substations it had been a telephone through the telephone provider before and it was over copper wire into the stations and we get uh, we regularly have lightning storms in the summer here. When we'd have lightning storms, many times we would have lightning run in on the the um, telephone wires um, and knock out our communication with our substation. Well, when you have lightning storms, that's when you really need your substation's communications to work best because that's when you need to know what all's going on and what's happening. So we decided to that we needed to build our own communication system and we opted for a fiber optic network. Now during that same time we were looking at other uses of fiber optics and and e-commerce and so forth. We're we're involved in economic development uh, uh, in an assist role. We also um, have a great interest in education because of the requirements of our employees and and so we have a big interest in that, and education is also a big part in economic development. So all of those things tie together, and we we felt like from our staff and our board's review of those issues that that a fiber optic network of being able to offer uh, high speed data services could really enhance our economic development, our education and also our electric system operation. Well, in the fall of 2002, while I was the chairman of the American Public Power Association, I was attending a board meeting in in uh, the state of Oregon, and the president of uh, the Electric Power Research Institute, that, who does, does research for all power companies in the United States, it's a big organization, but the president of that organization was uh, making a presentation there, and he talked about that power outages had cost industry more in the previous year than power had cost industry. 
Now, I'm sitting there thinking this is a really big number, knowing how much industry pays us for power, and we're just a small part of that, that group. Is that because of lost productivity, just unexpected damage? Yes. But, right, and, and work, workers that are there with nothing to do, uh, sometimes the equipment, if you have metal or plastic or glass or something that's flowing and it sets up in machinery, you have to you have to uh, tear it all down and clean it out. And so it's, it's, it's really expensive um, for them uh, from many sources like that. So uh, then he also said that if we had a really fast switching system that we could you know, operate in fractions of a second um, that could help and and could keep these or get these customers recovered quick enough that they wouldn't have to totally shut down and start over. Since we were uh, operating some in fiber and was had had decided to, to and we're in the process of installing uh, a network of um, loops that would pass all of our 19 substations as well as. And as a result of that, they would be going through our highly residential areas and our business and industry areas because our substations are located where the load is and the load's there because of those customers that are already there. So we we had started that process, but we hadn't figured out how to build it out to the customers. And and about about that time was when some um, triple play um, equipment became available for fiber, uh, fiber to the home uh, equipment, uh, a passive optical network equipment where the, you don't have to have electronics all up and down the lines, but you can just have electronics at the end. And we began to evaluate that, but, but I'm thinking we can't afford a system like that for this purpose. Well, as we go back and we start looking at how we can build out these kind of services to all locations in our area, the triple play fiber optic to the to the home or fiber optic to the customer uh, looked like it made sense. We we did some uh, analysis of systems. We talked to everybody that we could find to talk to in the United States that was doing any of that. Uh, we talked to a lot of equipment dealers and so forth, and so we we decided we did a business plan, and we decided to uh, go down that road. So in 2002, I had said we couldn't do it. In 2005, we're providing service to customers. So that piece changed rapidly in our uh, in our doing it. Now we started off by offering about 30. Uh, megabits per second speed um, over the system, and it was a BPON technology. But um, so, but by using the PON network, the fiber piece we looked at as future-proof, that we could change the electronics on the end, and the fiber in between could stay the same, and and so we'd have a system that that you could upgrade as time goes on without changing out everything, you, without changing out your fiber system and all of the pieces of the fiber system. If you only change the electronics in your nodes and, and electronics at the house, you could upgrade it. Well, within a year after we started, BPON technology came out, which gave us the possibility to move up to 100 megs a second, megabits per second. So we did that. And um, 
we didn't want to stay with a technology that was going to give us more stranded investment by us buying ONTs to go on the side of the house and that sort of thing. So, but but we didn't have to change out the ones that were there unless they needed more than the 30 capacity, 30 megabits per second capacity. Right. We put the 100 in, and then then later when gigabit became available, then we changed again so that we could have gigabit technology in, and we then we went back and and laid another piece over our backbone system that was a 10 gig E system, so that we could provide gigabit services to everybody. So, so just recently we have completed the system so that everybody, every customer of ours, every electric customer of ours has gigabit available to their location. Now, they, they, all we have to do is, is run it from the street to the house or that last, last 50 yards or whatever to get it there and put the electronics on the house. And they got it. so we got it completely built out to where we can do that, and and that is a big piece. We now have all of the schools in our area either have 100 megabits per second or gigabit, and it's their and it's their uh, option. Um, the gigabit being a thousand megabits. So um, so it's, it's it's they either have a hundred or a thousand megabits available. And, and all of the schools are using one or the other of those. And as they need to, they can go from 100 megs to a gig. And all they have to do is call us. We, make a, we may have to change the electronics on the side of the building, and we may not, depending on which, which um, um, group we installed there originally. But if we have to change electronics on the side of the building, that's just a, an hour's job. And so we get it done. And, do the schools actually use that mostly to communicate with each other within the district, or are they actually connecting across the internet at those very fast speeds as well? They're they're doing both. Um, as as a matter of fact, I was we we have a school that's out in the the edge of the Appalachian Mountains. Is that actually it's the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains, and you can see the Appalachian Trail from from that school. And and um, they uh, they have this information in, and they were telling us about being able to to visit the Egyptian pyramids and actually have a a guide on site at the pyramids talking directly to the children in the class. So they were it was like they were there. And then and then we also have um, uh, they've been able to do Smithsonian Institute visits and have guides there. And it's like that they're really there and going on a tour with a real live guide that's there. And you can't do that without some really high-speed uh, data link. So that's a piece. They also are able to, if they have, you know, one or two or six children in a school that's interested in a subject that's being taught somewhere else, they can, they can do that over this system also. Um, and, and then they can work on the like math problems or spelling problems or those kind of things over the internet from a location and a site and an app and they can do that and so it's just amazing what all that they can do and and how that they can diversify uh, that education processes by having this this really high speed information available at the time and so you can have children in the class that are working on on some app or 
or some device and and working on a lot of different projects at the same time so then you're you're able to work children at the limit of what they're capable of capable of doing instead of teaching them in the middle of the class where some people don't understand what you're talking about and some people are bored to death um, this way you can individualize uh, education to, to those children as they're doing it. What is the community uh, benefiting other than these um, obvious incredible uh, technological capacity of the schools? Uh, what else have you seen? Uh, are people paying lower prices? Have you seen uh, more jobs in the community? Uh, how has the network helped? Well, when we, when we started out um, in, in, in 2006 was the first time that we had the triple play services available, all three of them available. And, and we had a package that was uh, 99.75, and it included one and a half megabits of service. It included 100 minutes of long distance telephone and, and about 80 channels of uh, TV. Now, now that, that same package uh, is, is $109. It's gone up ten dollars, but but content of the cable has gone up more than ten dollars during that period of time. So we've only changed the price as to the price of content. But instead of a instead of one and a half megabits per second, we have thirty megabits per second. Instead of a hundred minutes of long distance, we have unlimited long distance, and 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 then we've also added caller ID to the list. And um, so, so we've been able to, to without raising prices, we've been able to drastically increase availability of these high speeds. And one of the things that we were talking about, Chris, in the beginning, is if we could offer, if we could offer this data services and internet access and so forth, as fast and as cheap as any place in the country then we could be as competitive in any of these e-commerce services as any place in the country. And, you know, I've lived in northeast Tennessee 40 years, and this is a wonderful place to live. I mean, it's got four seasons. It's got the Appalachian Mountains. It's got lakes. And, I mean, it's just a wonderful place to live. And so if you can do these kind of services from here, uh, you, you can have the best of all worlds. And that's what we're finding. A lot of people were getting out of school and and having to move somewhere else for data jobs. Now they can have really high-speed data circuits, so they can do those kind of jobs here, and it's as if they were wherever. And to give you a little bit of idea about how well you, you can handle those jobs from a distance, one time we were when we were buying... Well, we were buying phone service to get the phone system out to other places and do other things from from where we are, and we lost circuit to the phone system, and we were trying to find out why we lost it the, from the supplier that had given it to us. Well, the people that we bought our telephone switch, or Class 5 telephone switch from, one of their engineers in Australia, after hours with us, it was after hours with us, told us, that the people supplying us this service had made some changes in Kansas City and and told us what the changes were. And when they finally found the person that made the changes and got them back to the job and he fixed it back, we made it work. But I thought I was really impressed that somebody from Australia was able to get into our system and do this. 
and we have people that do different things with us, you know, from South Alabama, from Plano, Texas, from lots of places that do work with us that can get into our system and uh, and do this. So when you see that done, you know you know how much that people can do from one place to the other. As a matter of fact, one of our employees had a sideline of, of drag racing, and he was able to he was able to do some work for a customer while he was staged in the drag thing, kept his laptop and, and got on, on it with a, with a high-speed data system and, and was able to fix these things while he's sitting in his dragster waiting to run down the strip. You know, so it's amazing what you can do from, from multiple places or any place or people can do, work together and be thousands of miles apart. Uh, so this, th- these are just things that this gives us opportunities and we are as, as economical and as fast as any place now. So um, we, we have a, a newspaper printing facility here that's a state-of-the-art facility that they print seven newspapers uh, from, and uh, they've been in, in the business for uh, uh, several years and never had an outage. And one of the things that they had said, the reason that they located here was because of the high-speed data and the reliability of our electric system uh, and our data system has been reliable. They've never, they've never missed a printing uh, in that facility since they've been there because of because of uh, our data ser- services or our electric services. And then, then there was a consulting firm that was doing some work for TVA that was pre pre qualifying some data center sites. We were chosen as one of those. And there again, two major components of that was the the high speed uh, data and redundancy in that, and the uh, the reliability of the electric systems. It's an it's a testament to uh, what can happen when a local government, uh, when the community itself uh, really controls its own destiny. Uh, so we're we're thrilled to hear about your success stories, and uh, we really uh, want to thank you for coming on the show. And, uh, and telling us exactly um, how you went about building this network. Uh, thank you, Chris. Uh, we 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 find that it gets more and more successful every day. Uh, it's it's a lot of a lot of work, and and it takes some planning and, and it takes some expertise. But we have grown most of our expertise internally, taken some really bright people and 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 got them some training and education, and they're eager and interested and they're eager and interested on behalf of their community and and just like you said it is local people seeing after local people well great thank you we wish you continued success and we'll look forward to talking to you again in the future maybe when you're um, offering 10 gigs to every home or 40 gigs to every home i'm sure it won't be that long into the future the way things are changing you're Right. It probably won't be, but uh, enjoyed spending this time with you, and we'll be glad to talk again. All right. Take care. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. That was Christopher and Dr. Michael Browder from Bristol, Tennessee Essential Services. We look forward to future developments as this reliable network continues to stay on the cutting edge, and we'll be sure to share information with you. You can learn more about BTES and the many services they offer at their website, btes.com. And don't forget to visit muninetworks.org and search for BTES, B-T-E-S, or Bristol-Tennessee. If you have any questions or comments, please send us a note. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. 
Our handle on Twitter is at CommunityNets. This show was released on December 4th, 2012, and we want to thank the Mojo Monkeys for the music licensed using Creative Commons. The song is called Bodacious. <laughs>